Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. This is Arun Sudhaman, the Homes Report here in uh, Davos at the World Economic Forum 2020. Uh, it's a little bit warmer than usual. I'm sure you'll all be happy to hear that. Um, and I'm joined today by global CEO of Ketchum, Barry Rafferty. Barry, welcome. Thank you. Always great to be here with you, Arun. Yes, we've done a few podcasts, I think. <laughs> Um, but the first in Davos, if I'm not mistaken? I think so. Okay. And that's that's good because you are something of a veteran of these snowy slopes. Um, seven out of the last ten years. Okay, right. And the first year you came was 2010? 2010. All right. Very interesting. So we'll talk about the changes you've seen. Um, but before that, let's start with the, the classic Davos question. What's the mood here, Barry? <laughs> The mood is actually good. And I think what's interesting is there's so much, and I'm sure you see it more than ever, going on outside the convention center. Um, Up and down the promenade is just one pop-up after another, companies you've never heard of, all the mainstream companies, right, the Facebook and Salesforce and others. Mm -hmm. And there's just a lot of, I think, energy um, this year around all kinds of topics, but climate, 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 headlining for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, there's no question climate is, is taking center stage this year, as it should, particularly as, right. I mean, we've seen here temperatures are, I think, a little Warm higher. Davos, it's a little freaky, right? It's weird, yeah. <laughs> I, it's not the hardest thing for someone who's not used to this kind of weather, but uh, Monday was freezing cold, though, <laughs> really cold. I think you went off skiing. My first time after seven years, I actually hit the slopes with my friend from CBS Digital, and we had a great morning. Excellent. Well, I'm glad to hear you you did that, because I think sometimes, certainly for those of us here in Davos, it is quite grueling. And I think you look at the slopes and you think, wow, it would be really nice to be here and not have to work. (laughs) However, the perception, of course, from people who aren't in Davos can be quite different, right? And let's let's be honest about it. I think for lots of people... They probably look at Davos, they see the, the videos of, of celebrities here, they see maybe pictures of parties, they read the, the, uh, the diary columns about goings-on at the piano bar. Um, mm-hmm. It's easy uh, to get the impression that Davos is just a lot of um, corporate schmoozing, a lot of hospitality, um, whilst corporate leaders are professing to save the world. Um, what's your take on that view? And I wonder if maybe you can de- debunk some of those perceptions. Well, I call it the Davos Marathon. I mean, Mm. I don't know about you, but every morning I'm starting at 7 a.m. with a breakfast at 7 or 7.30. Um, Usually on topics, yesterday I did the transformation imperative all about change management and how really everyone is living change in the reskilling environment. This morning I was at one on climate change um, with Bloomberg and the new Bloomberg Green Initiative. So I would say lots of work early in the morning that Mm. goes till late at night, right? Mm. Um, A typical schedule for me is meeting with multiple clients as they're on panels. Yesterday I saw two of our Procter & Gamble um, clients, Carolyn Testad at the Female Quotient, which I don't know if you've been there, but it's packed every day with um, great speakers and women and men, which I love. I was in the TSG bubble tent yesterday, which is huge, listening to... Mark Pritchard, and yes, you get a lot of celebrities, you know, Priyanka um, Chopra Jones was there, but talking about their initiatives and passion and, you know, her experience growing up in India and what Mm -hmm. that means to her um, in giving back. Um, You also, I was at the Wall Street Journal CEO lunch yesterday. 
um, delayed because of the live feed from Trump, right? Yeah. So it was definitely a Trump day. Yeah, sure. Um, and you kind of got the Greta Trump juxtaposition, which was kind of interesting in a lot of the talk in the media and in the town. And um, then to multiple meetings in the afternoon. And yes, there are cocktail hours. And I had the pleasure last night of actually um, seeing Sheryl Crow speak mm -hmm. at a Salesforce event and perform a few songs. So that is some of the benefit and little bit perks. But mm -hmm. that was at, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And I'd been going since seven in the morning, working really hard. So there is that juxtaposition for sure. Mm, sure. And what's your secret to to surviving Davos, if, if there is a secret? <laughs> um, I say lots of water. I think mm. you forget you're at high altitude, so yeah. um, definitely stay hydrated. And I really just assume I'm not gonna get a ton of sleep, so I try and getting out, getting air is good for me. Walking back and forth just keeps me mm -hmm. a little bit more, a little mental time to breathe and um, get a little space. Um, but I think you're just all in going for three days and then crash on the way home. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It's kind of a marathon, kind of a sprint, yeah. I suppose, as well. Um, so let's talk about the changes in terms of Davos. You came in twenty ten. Um, do you see a lot of change in terms of the issues that are are center stage? Uh, you know, the various panel discussions. There's so many fringe events, and then of course there's the official program as well. No. Well, I would say back then there were not near as many fringe events. Mm. The focus was on the conference center, and I think now even. You know, WEF has embraced um, some of it and is working with things on and off site. But I think that the topics are really different, right? We were looking back and some people have compared the program since it's their 50th anniversary over the decades. Mm -hmm. So when I was first here, really leaders were just talking about like that social contract and what that was going to mean, right? Um, mm. The financial crisis was in full gear, so the economic discussion mm -hmm. and outlook was very different. Um, the digital convergence was starting, right? Mm -hmm. It was kind of a little bit more at its infancy. And we were just starting to look at security as a crisis. Yeah. Um, today, I mean, tech innovation, tech owns, you know, Davos up and down the street, inside and outside. Um, it's just, you know, a continual topic. And we've gone from blockchain and AI being introduced to the discussion mm -hmm. of policy and what that looks like. Um, mm. Tech for good, right? Yep. What does that look like? I mean, I don't know how many times I've already heard the word carbon offset. Mm. Um, and in every industry, whether it's manufacturing or real estate, um, the, you're seeing climate change, but new topics of climate change, right? The impact on health, on food, on not only the climate itself, but how it's impacting the population. And one of the other things I've seen is a little bit more of the human discussion. I don't know if you, how many years you've been here, but I remember when they introduced like morning meditation at oh, Davos. And yeah. this year you're hearing a lot more discussion about mental health and things. So as I start to think about our trends for next week, I'm already starting to yep. gather um, some of these new ideas. Um, but I think that's key. And I think we've also gone from a little bit of you know, purpose, purpose, everybody needs kind of purpose and CSR to a little bit of discussion of, you know, is purpose a little passe? What does it mean? <laughs> How do we get to action, right? It's right. not enough. There's a lot of, you know, and Greta and others are saying, you know, it's great. We can talk about it. We're out here talking at Davos, but are we really making change? And I think you're starting to hear and see the commitments to change, the partnerships to change, and some of them were visible this year. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I was at a session yesterday, I think you were there too, where 
one of the panelists, I think CEO of, of, of Imagine, said that purpose is, is passe and you know, that the focus should be on action. Is that something you see as a challenge for um, companies, you know, in terms of your own clients as well, just bridging that gap from, I guess, rhetoric to reality? Yeah. I mean, we talk about that as the say-do gap, and mm. we're very conscious of that with our clients, that if they're making commitments to, you know, by 2025, we're going to do X, mm. is to really now showcase um, the benchmarks of what you're achieving, right, mm. how things are changing in your whatever it is, sourcing, mm -hmm. you know, carbon offsets, looking at the vendors that you use, whatever those things are. I don't think people are really willing to wait and see that aha moment anymore. They want to see you going through that. Yeah. And I think what you see at Davos that people don't can't underestimate is the sharing of best practices, the discussions right. around what's working in my company, what's working in your company. Um, you know, you hear think people that are competitors really having a little bit of more coopetition around these world STG issues. And I mm. think that's what is one of the benefits of Davos. And not only company sharing, but bringing in the academia, the nonprofits, right? And that interaction here is, I don't see that anywhere else where I travel or other conferences that I attend. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's something that's often overlooked is the, the role that civil society plays here. I mean, yeah. you, you see, I don't think you'll ever see NGOs and corporates having such frank discussions anywhere else. How much um, influence do the, do the themes and discussions in Davos actually have when it comes to the, let's say, the issues management work that you do for clients? Is it something that's top of mind for them or is it no. they come here, have these chats and then it's just back to the usual when they get home? I think um, a lot of what comes out of Davos sets the agenda for the year. Um, mm. Look at last year, Greta was not really known. Greta mm. came here to protest, to be honest. She was out on the street, yes. right, small group. Yeah. And you have David Attenborough inside, mm. and they invited her in, mm. right? And then you had the youngest and the oldest participant in Davos kind of heading off and creating um, action that I think everyone would say had a huge impact, right, yeah. on the last year. And so I do think the tone is set. Um, I think that things coming out of Davos become global yeah. really quickly. Yeah. And then people either have to get on board or not, right? But I do think that um, Klaus has done a nice job of setting an agenda. And sometimes things come into the agenda, right? Like the big focus on stakeholder mm -hmm. this year, right, versus shareholders. Um, came from a lot of the business roundtable, other things was adopted, but really that's always been a Klaus principle. Mm -hmm. But I think at the World Economic Forum this year, it's just been dialed up exponentially. Mm -hmm. um, and so sometimes those things are trending before Davos and it punctuates them as well. Mm, sure. And, and of course, our listeners sh should be aware that uh, next week, it is next week, right? We're going to be having our, our <laughs> webinar where we'll go through all of the key trends from Davos, so that should be fun. And I think cannabis was one of them last year, if yes. I'm not mistaken. I was actually looking back at some of my trends, and we've been very accurate on reskilling, right. cannabis, you know, other things that have really come into the fold. So maybe we'll take a few minutes to look back the last two years yeah. at what's really come to fruition. Yeah, yeah. as long as we don't look too um, off the mark. I think that's, no. that's a good idea. AI, blockchain, no, a lot of those things have been in there, so it's been good. And I think one last thing I'll say that I think is a big difference this year is the mm -hmm. intergenerational approach. Right. Right. You've got these young high schoolers, mm -hmm. you've got the global shapers, 
And I think that is having an impact on not only the agenda in Davos, but the global agenda as well. Yeah, I went to a, it was the, the media reception on the Monday, and they had the four young change makers there. Yeah. And, you know, I have to say I'm, I'm, I'm pretty jaded, but I was really impressed at just, um, yeah, how accomplished and how yeah. Just impressive, the, these young people were. I mean, I was, yeah. Some of their it. stories are awesome. Trust me, I was not that mature. At, no. You know, I was 16, 18. I'm, I'm not you know, now. I'm really young. I'm, you know. <laughs> um, so another thing you have been very outspoken about in the past is, of course, the gender balance at Davos, which which has been a challenge. And I think you, you've, in fact, written um, articles in the past about how you've been mistaken for a spouse and so forth. Has Has that improved? Is there enough progress being made in that respect? I mean, look, the numbers are better. It's 24% this year. Mm -hmm. I think, though, if you look at, um, if you're a partner and you have a fifth ticket, it has to be a woman. So yeah. I'm glad we actually finally got there. It took a while even since they instituted right. that to get yeah. there. It's interesting at some events, right? At the Wall Street Journal event, I'm still, you know, maybe there was like four or five women out yeah. of, you know, 40, 50. So it depends on the event, but what I would say in general is there's more of a mix, at least a woman on almost every panel I've been yeah, to. Yeah, but not every. But not is, every, yeah, but um, most of them now. Um, and I think you, I don't ever feel like I walk in a room mm. and I'm usually so in the, you know, you're in the minority, but it's not as extreme as it was 10 years ago. I think mm. the feeling is different. Mm -hmm. I think the, as you mentioned, the FQ Lounge has done a great job. There just seems to be more of a, a network in a community because yeah. it's easy. I think, you know, it, it was a very male event. It was geared up for men. And it's not just about representation, is it? It's about actually making women Correct. feel comfortable and, and supported. Right. You but, and I were at one of the first night cocktail parties and mm -hmm. I give, you know, UPS, Deco, and APCO mm -hmm. um, great accolades because they do something every year open to no matter what badge you have for women to come together, get advice, meet each other. So you can see each other during the week. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of initiatives. The FQ Lounge, as you say, is a great one um, to bring women together. There's women's leadership dinners and, and things like that. Um, and the topic is ubiquitous now. You know, mm -hmm. when I first came 10 years ago, Sheryl Sandberg was in a small room in the conference center, and it was just an emerging topic. And mm -hmm. now it really is um, a part of what is going to make a difference in the economy of the world. And talking mm -hmm. about women, there was... You know, even some scary statistics came out. I think, quote me if I'm right, Alicia, but 22 of the richest men are equal to the amount of that all women in Africa make in a year. Wow. Right? So the dichotomy and that yeah. split is still there. Um, but I think we're talking about it. We're talking about equal pay and equity and what that means, mm -hmm. um, both in, you know, underdeveloped countries and developed countries. Yeah. And I think the, the stat from the APCA reception you mentioned so it'll take women 230 years to reach pay parity. Yeah, let's which, hope um, we can improve that. That's just, it gets worse every year than I'm here. I think it started and it was like 120 years at one point and um, it's, it, it's really is something we have to tackle as a global issue. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to um, your Davos survival guide, one question I wanted to ask you is, because I often get, people often ask me this as someone who's, who's been to this event multiple yeah. times, but of course I don't really have any advice for people because I, <laughs> I haven't figured it out myself. Um, do you do everything 
or are you very selective? Do you try and build in downtime? I mean, what's the formula there? Yeah, well, there is no downtime at Davos because mm. I think if there is, you're preparing when I'm on panels or doing interviews like this, yeah. right? You're always preparing in those breaks. But what I try to do is I start my schedule. Um, a, we have a lot of clients here that we work on behalf of, so I try to make sure I can see all the clients during the days I'm here. Then I look at different topics because I like to come mm -hmm. back with trends for our clients. So am I you know, doing enough in tech or sustainability or equality? Mm -hmm. So I try to mix it up. And then the other thing I often say to people is sometimes when you get here, you think that schedule is set in stone and then great things pop up and you wander into something mm. and see the next speaker is awesome. So to try to leave a little room in your schedule for, you know, a little bit of going down a winding path yep. and discovering something and also time to just talk to people. I think mm. some of the most interesting conversations sometimes you can have, right, getting a cup of tea sitting somewhere or um, you know, in a coat check line, like you never know who you're going to meet. So yeah. I think part of Davos is having that schedule and, you know, hustling and bustling to get to all the places. And part of it is just taking the time to really listen and observe and mm. take things in and have the conversations with the different people. And that part of it, I always leave with some gems that I never thought I'd come mm. away with. A little bit of serendipity is, is useful. Yeah. But it's, a, it's a hard balance, I think, to get right because... Yeah. I think there's just this pressure to always be kind of on and scheduled. And um, one of the things I think people always say, why am I so exhausted? Is it the yeah. altitude? And I often say that it's not only that and the walking and everything else, but mm. it is the active listening yeah. and the active networking, right? Yeah. So talking, you're just yeah. talking and thinking yeah. and on. And it's really probably one of the most intellectually stimulating weeks of the year for me, but yeah. it's a lot it's to process. Right? Yeah. Your, your brain's like working hard. It's tough for introverts, let me tell you. Um, so let's talk about the PR industry really quickly. Uh, when I first started coming here, I think 2014, if I'm not mistaken, you know, there was some PR agency presence. It's grown, no question. It's still largely client support. I mean, if you're thinking about PR agency thought leadership here, there's really the same agencies have been involved since the last probably decade, I think. Um, do you think the industry should be here in greater numbers? Well, I think the CCOs are here in great mm, numbers as are. well as the agencies. So I think from a mm. perspective of, you know, communications professionals, um, I do think we're nicely represented. And it was fun to see, like, Kelly from Levi's on the stage yep. yesterday and, um, you know, other CCOs. I think the agencies, I mean, for us, you know, I usually try to do some panels and stuff, but... We also do support a lot mm. of clients on the ground, right? That's yeah. how we make money, what our business is and the agency business. You certainly see Edelman, APCO, others who have been mm -hmm. here and pretty entrenched. And I think Richard does a great job with the trust barometer. Mm -hmm. But to me, it is a place where CCOs, CEOs, CMOs, right? The C-suite is here. Mm. And I think we have a role and a place not only um, on the stage, but in the dialogue and the discussion. And so I do think for us it's been an important place to be and to expand our team on the ground year after year. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I mean, that's the reason why, you know, we started coming was, I think, just the concentration of so many senior clients was interesting. I think people find it intimidating, though, the idea of coming to Davos. Right? I mean, there's obviously there's the cost, um, which is, uh, not, you know, yeah. somewhat steep. But then there's all the badges and the, all these, you know, it's, it just seems so complicated at times. Is that, 
is there a way to figure that out or is I mean is it just a question of investing the money oh you know I mean it is expensive I think mm. though the ROI on per client meetings if I can meet 10 clients here in three days the amount of trips and mileage I would put on to do that there's a mm. you know ROI for that as well but I think it is intimidating. I mean, mm. I remember the first couple times I came, I was like, you know, you don't know people, you kind of are like, and being a woman a little bit, it's mm -hmm. like, you know, do I have the confidence to play at this level and be here? So I will say that. But what I will say as you get more comfortable, I think coming year after year, I have my Davos friends, people that mm. I've actually met here that I don't see other places from yep. around the world, yeah. um, familiar faces, you start to understand the badges, you kind of know your way around and know what security mm. checks you can get through and when you have to walk around and yeah. what you have to do. So I think that what I would say to people, and I talk to a ton of people that come first time, so call me if you want to come the first time or want to learn. Yeah. I'm happy to help people think it through because I do think it's a great place for our industry to be. And I think that we are helping set the agenda. We're helping people not only communicate what they're doing, but I think being a part of this is a way to be the conscience of co companies, mm. to help them think about what they should be doing and the positions that they should be taking from a reputation driving standpoint. So yeah. I'm thrilled that there's more people in our industry here and I think there's room for more. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and I'm likewise happy to talk to anyone who's kind of grappling with how to, f to, to, to figure it out. I, my, my advice is always just come yeah. And, you know, the rest will fall into place. It does seem tough. It's, you, you, you may end up an hour away. Um, but, you know, the, the, the benefits, in my, in my opinion, do outweigh the sometimes considerable hurdles. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you so much for your time. So, obviously, you, you ha do have a hectic, packed schedule. So, much appreciated for taking this time out. Um, I hope you have a good rest of the week here in Davos. Uh, and we will be talking again next week on our Looking webinar. Looking forward to it. Can't wait to compare notes at the end of the week and see what trends we come up with. Yep, for sure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark.